that we do welcome you to church because the church is God's birth. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and we now ask Jesus into our heart, we become part of the universal church and we all belong to a church. The church today is not dead. The church is alive. And us together as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, we together as a church need to reach out to the world. We need to tell them about Jesus Christ. The church is a wonderful place. This church is a wonderful place. What would we do without the church? What would we do without an opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to be able to share and to talk and to pray together and to cry together and to laugh together and to worship together and to learn together? That's why we have the church. The church is God's plan. The church is you. The church is me. The church is a family. And if you're here tonight, you just count yourself as a privilege that you were able to come to a place to where we can open the Word of God and we can study the Word of God and learn about God. The church is family. And so I say that and I want us to get that in our mind because it's very, very important that we understand that when we're about to go and study the book of Jude, I believe it really is all about the church. And I'll explain that, what I mean. Now, the reason I'm calling this all in the family is, number one, because as a church and as a church body, we are all family together. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm your brother in Christ. We love each other. We care about each other. But also, I'm saying all in the family is because we're going to study Jude. Now, that book of Jude, that's that little book. The book that you miss if you're turning your Bible too fast. It's that book that's right before Revelation. It's that book that if you try to read chapter 2, you're not going to get anywhere because there is not a chapter 2. It's that little book that we seem to miss sometimes. And I don't know if any of us have actually read through the book of Jude a lot or studied the book of Jude, but the book of Jude is very important for us today. Because the book of Jude is, of course, written by who? Jude. And if you look in the, in the Bible, on the very first one, it says Jude, verse, verse, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And so as you study that and you see that, you see that we just finished studying the book of James. So I thought, well, what, what better way for us to do is just keep it in the family. We'll get another brother of Jesus that, that God inspired to write a book. And that is Jude. Jude is a uh, half-brother of Jesus. Jude was not saved during the time of Jesus' ministry. After Jesus was resurrected, they got saved. And their life had just really helped form and shape and formulate the church, the early church in which we see. Of course, James, James as we talked about, was in Jerusalem, and he was a key leader there. Jude was probably the youngest because when you look in the Bible and you look in the Scriptures, especially Matthew 13, and it talks about the, the brothers of Jesus, it says James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Now when you read that in one part, it says Judas. Well, that word Judas also is the same word Jude. And so that's, you, say, you have Judas and you have Jude. Now you say, 
well, why does some way, some people call it Judas and some call it Jude? Well, I'm really not the theological giant of that, but I do know it's the same word. And so they, they would use the word simultaneously, Judas or Jude. But I also know this. I know that if Judas Iscariot, if your name was Judas and then Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, I doubt you would name your child Judas. And so I guess he was going by Jude at that time. But so Jude was known because when Jude wrote this in the very first part, he says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So therefore, when people were reading this, they realized, oh, that's who Jude is. Jude's the brother of James. We know that because James is the brother of Jesus. And so Jude, that's who Jude is. And so everybody knew Jude based on that he was the brother of James. Now, we read that because it's important that we understand all in the family is, you know, James and Jude, they loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. They accepted Jesus. They followed Jesus. But we also know this. We know that Jude was written and inspired by God for a specific reason. Now, when I say inspired, I've talked about this before, but I, when I start a book, I want all of us to understand this. We call Jude what we call a general epistle. A general epistle is a, a letter that was written to, the gener to all Christians. So that's you and me. And since... Since when the Bible was written all those years ago, it still relates to me and you, that, because that's God. Because the Bible was inspired. And so what do I mean by inspired? Well, the, what I mean by inspired is when you're reading the book of Jude, you're reading God's words. Because He inspired through the Holy Spirit, Jude, to be able to write down the words that God wanted him to write for the specific reason why Jude wrote the book. And the main reason why Jude wrote this book, and the main reason why God inspired him to write this book, was God wanted us to realize that the church is a wonderful place, and the church is a fantastic place. But at the same time that the church is a wonderful place, and the church is a fantastic place, God is telling us to beware. God is saying to the church, beware. There are some things, and there is an adversary called the devil who's trying to destroy the church. And so for 2,000 years, it's not just in this century, and it's just not in 2019, but all throughout the 2,000 years, the devil has been trying to destroy the church. And so Jude is inspired by God to write this epistle to all Christians. And as he's writing this epistle to all the Christians, being inspired by God, and listen, since he was inspired by God to write the words of the epistle Jude, of the letter Jude, we know automatically anything that is inspired by God has no mistakes, has no errors. And so we know that this epistle is not just inspired by God, but we know when we read this epistle, it has no errors in it. That's called the inerrant word of God. And so we understand when we read the Bible that when we're reading the words of God, 
we're reading a document, we're reading a book, we're reading words that have no error in them. And so as we're reading Jude, he is writing about the very thing that happens many times is, is that people are trying to disprove the Bible. Or people are taking the Bible and they are teaching what's contrary to what's in the Bible. And then they're saying it is the Bible. And so the very reason why Jude was inspired to write this book was because there were false teachers and there were things happening in the Christian world at that time where false teachers were coming into the church and many other things were happening, which we'll get into. And you know this three-week series? That's about my three-week series in James, which ended up about 12 weeks. That's probably how Jude's going to be. But at the same time, false teachers were coming into the church and coming into the Christian world, and Satan was planting them within the church to teach false teachings to try to sway people away from Jesus Christ. And so Jude writes this book to, to warn or to tell everyone here that, number one, there are some things that we need to keep our eyes open to. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come as I'm teaching in Jude. Now, so we go to verse 1. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who are, and there's three things here, to those who are called, to those who are sanctified by the God the Father, and those who are preserved in Jesus Christ. So, when he's writing this book to you and to me, now, first of all, we understand a general epistles to all Christians. So this relates to you if you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart. And he is saying in here that if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you, have, you, you are three things. Number one is this, you are called. Called to what? Well, you are called from your past life of sin into a life of righteousness and holiness you are called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. That is what the church is called for. And so he's saying this. He is writing this book to everyone that's called. And so if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you need to take this book very personal because if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you are called to do a work for Jesus Christ. That's what's so wonderful about the church. The church is many people from many different backgrounds who have realized that they have sin in their heart and have come to repentance before God through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ had saved them from their sin, and now we're together, and now we are called for one mission, one purpose, and that is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. That's what he's writing this book to. That's who he's writing this book to. If you are a Christian, he's writing this book to you because you are called. You're called. It's kind of nice to know you have a calling, isn't it? You know, many of us are searching about what is it that, what is it that I'm going to be or what is it that, you know, what's going to happen 10 years from now? Well, I can tell you what's happening right now is this. God's already given you a call and that call is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the whole world. And we'll know why in a little bit when we get to verse 3. 
But the calling is there. And then he says, not just to those who are called, but those who are sanctified. So if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, the Bible says you are also sanctified. Well, what does sanctified mean? Sanctified means to be made holy. That means you're holy. And in God's supernatural way, you're being made holy on this earth because we have this sin nature that gets in our way a lot of time. Do you ever have a sin nature that gets in your way sometimes? Well, I do. And sometimes my sin nature, but at the same time, God's making me holy. But at the same time, in a supernatural way, you're already holy. Look at the, look at the person next to you. They're holy. Don't forget that. See, that's why it's very, very dangerous for us to argue and grumble and, and bicker with each other and get mad at each other. I mean, we're going to get mad every once in a while, but not, not fix it if we do, because we're all holy. See, when God saved us, everybody's on equal ground. We're all holy before God. Because God sees us through what? The blood of Jesus Christ. And God, since He sees us through Jesus Christ, we're holy. And so it's a lot, of, a lot of thought to think, am I, when people see me, do they see someone that is holy before God? I'm not saying that's a lot of pressure, because I don't think God ever wants to put pressure on us. But I think that's something that we really need to take into consideration, that we've been called by God to do a mission, and that we're sanctified and since God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, and He gave His life for us, and one of the reasons is so we could be sanctified, we could be holy, then what that means is this. That means that I need to live my life in a way that people look at Him and say, well, you know, that person, he, he's living a holy life. And what, who needs to see that is just not the church, because the church... I would think we would all see that. We should see that in each other. But we also need to be out in the world, and the world needs to see that. Because I believe this, a countenance of holiness is seen by the world, and it makes a difference with the people that you run into. So when you run into people at Home Depot, or Lowe's, or at the restaurant, do they see somebody that is, has a countenance of holiness? A countenance of, of godliness in their life? Because God's already made you that way. But at the same time, you're being made that way. I'm not saying we're perfect because we're all going to make mistakes, right? But yet what we do every morning, we need to get on our knees before God and say, God, I know you're trying to make me, or you're making me holy. I know I'm already holy in your sight, God. But God, help me today to live a holy life before the people I come in contact with. That would cut down on a lot of road rage for Southern Baptists, you know it? It would. Because you're already in your mind in the morning saying to yourself, I'm called and I'm sanctified. But not only that, it says this, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved. Preserved in Christ Jesus. You know what that word means? And that, that word, preserved, means this. That word means Jesus is keeping an eye on you. Not, not keeping an eye on you to see if you do anything wrong. What it means is he's keeping an eye on you to make sure you're going to be okay. 
Do you know that when you are saved by God, and according to Jude right here, under the inspiration of God, that God preserves you, that there are probably hundreds and hundreds and thousands of situations that we've been through in our life that would have turned out worse if God hadn't been keeping an eye on us, if Jesus hadn't been keeping an eye on us. Do you realize that when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night, even while you're sleeping, the eyes of Jesus are on you to make sure you're okay? That should bring comfort to you. That should be comfort to know that, that Jesus Christ is there with you, keeping an eye on you, because he knows this. He wants to preserve you. He wants the best for you. And so when we are going through life, and when Jude wrote this, everybody in this room, if you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this is, you will walk out of here knowing this. You're called. Praise the Lord. We're called. We're sanctified. Made holy before God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God and Jesus, Jesus is watching over us. He's preserving us. So it makes the church, which should be the place in America and the place in the world which should have the most influence, it makes us a driving force because when you have God and Jesus behind you, there's no way you can lose. And so you have to ask yourself, Am I following God that way? And then we have to ask ourselves as a church, as a church, are we the driving force in society, in schools, and everywhere we are, are we the driving force? Now Jude is writing this book because Jude is saying this, there is going to come a time in our lives as a church to where there's going to be people that come in and they tried to diminish the work of the church. And from the outside and the inside, they're going to come in and they're going to try to make the church to where the church isn't as effective as the way Jesus wants the church to be. And I believe in 2019, no, not much different than any other time in history. So I'm not making it like this is the worst time we've ever been in history because the church has always been under attack. Is that in 2019, I believe that the church needs to be what the church needs to be knowing this. Jude wrote this to warn us that there are going to be forces that are going to try to diminish the power of Jesus Christ in the church. But he wants you to know this. You are called you are sanctified and you are preserved in Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, there is no other privilege on earth and under, under heaven, which is more of a privilege than that. And we have a calling to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ in this society. And we cannot let anyone get in our way. And so that's what he's saying here in Jude, that there are going to be times that that's going to happen inside the church. And we have to be very careful. Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to understand what he's saying with that. Now, in verse 2, he just says this. 
He says, okay, for all the people that are called, for all the people that are sanctified, and for all the people that are preserved, I want you to know mercy, peace, and love I want to multiply to you. Wow. Mercy, peace, and love. Just think of those three words. Remember what I said what mercy was? See, mercy of God is basically not giving us what we deserve. Whereas the grace is giving us what we don't deserve. So the mercy of God is upon all of us. I'm glad that God doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I have that mercy. I'm glad God's given me that. We should walk out of here just grateful in our heart that God has given that. But he's saying mercy on us so we can give mercy to others. If there's one thing that the church should be, it should be a church, we should be Christians that give mercy to people and grace to people because we want them to know Jesus Christ is their personal Lord and Savior. And so there's no room for us not to show mercy to people. There's no room for us not to show grace to people. That is the church. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He's saying mercy multiplied to you. That means this, not just one-time mercy. He's saying, I hope mercy just falls all over you. And because mercy falls all over you, we can help mercy to fall all over everyone else because we want those people to come to know Jesus Christ. And then he says this, not just mercy. I mean, that would be good enough, wouldn't it? He says, peace. He says, peace multiplied to you. Because it's not easy living. And sometimes we can be in a spirit, in our spirit, we just don't have peace in our spirit. And Jude's saying this, I want peace to be multiplied to you. I want you to have peace in your heart. Because if you, church, have peace in your heart, and if you, church, realize that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and Jesus is the one that can give you that peace, just imagine how much peace outside of this world these people don't have outside of these walls. The amount of peace that people are searching for. People are searching for anything to make them happy. They tried in sports. They tried in money. They tried in their possessions that they have. They try everything, but they'll never have peace because the only way you can have peace is through the Prince of Peace. And he's saying multiply peace to you because... Church, if you have a multiplied of peace on your heart, you can go outside of these walls and you can help all the people here in this society to find the true peace. But Jude's saying, be careful, and we'll talk about that later in the weeks to come, because there's some things that are going to try to get you. But we need to have peace. See, church, we have everything in front of us that God has given us, and one of those is peace multiplied. I just want to tell you tonight, when you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a tough time, you're confused, you turn to the Prince of Peace, and God will give you that peace. Because you have Jesus in your heart, and He's keeping an eye on you, 
And he wants to give you that peace in your heart. Because church, we have to go outside and share peace with this whole world. That's why we have a church. And then he says this, peace and then love. Well, we know love's there. We talked about that last week. When people see you and when people see me, do they see love? What kind of love? Agape love. That's what that word is, which is God's love. When people look in your eyes, when people, when you're checking out at the store, when you're driving down the freeway, when you're at a restaurant, when you're walking in the park, do they see the love of God in your heart? Jesus saying multiply. He's, love is multiplied upon you. We have everything that we can possibly have. Peace, mercy, and love to be able to walk out of this place and share the gospel around. And he's saying, you have all this. Just believe and trust. And you have it. Because you have Jesus Christ in your heart. So he says all that. He says that to us. Because he wants us, he, then he kind of gives us a little bit of a warning in verse 3. But he says all that because next he says this. Beloved, while I'm very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, which means this. Your salvation is no better than my salvation. All salvation is the same under Jesus Christ. There is one salvation, and that one salvation is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And three days later, Jesus came out of that tomb and he conquered death and he conquered sin. And that common salvation is this. If there is a time that you've come into your life that you've realized that you're a sinner and you've repented of your sins before God and you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, if you've ever done that in your life, you are saved. That's that common salvation. And he's very diligent to write you about the common salvation. I find it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So in verse 3, he's saying this, church, this is what we need to do. Church, we need to be diligent. He's exhorting us. We need to contend, which means this, we need to live we need to fight. We need to love. We need to care. We need to do everything that in our lives and in our power and in our strength to share the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That is why we're a church. That's why we're here. And with every being that you are, every being that you have, church, that is what we're supposed to be doing from the very early days in Acts 2, which we'll go over in just a minute. But in the very early days, that is what the church was there for. There was a purpose for the church. And the purpose for the church back in Acts is still the purpose for the church today. 
And Jude is saying, the reason I want you to fight for this is because, and then he writes the rest of Jude. Because there are people, and there's the devil, and there's society, and there's the world that will do everything in their power to try to diminish the work of the church and diminish the work of Christians in society today. And Jesus is saying, I want you to earnestly for your, fight for your faith, contend for your faith, live for Jesus Christ, because when you are living for Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus is in you. Not your power, but the power of Jesus. And there is nothing in this world that is stronger than the power of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, I'm wanting you to contend. I'm wanting you to fight. I'm wanting you to realize that we have been delivered. We are saints in the Word of God. We are saints in the Lord. And we need to go out to a lost and dying world. And we need to share what the church was designed for in the very beginning. So if you take your sheet, I want to share that with you. Because the sheet is very important that we understand why, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of why we're here? What was the purpose of us getting saved? Why did that happen? What was the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross? Well, it was to forgive our sins, but there was much more than that. Because now Jesus has chosen us, the church, the universal church, which is all of us as people, but also the body, the church, the, where we are now. God wants us to do a mighty thing. So what are the purposes of the church? Number one is this. It is worship. That's the W. In Acts 2, 42 and 43, it says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came over every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So he's basically in 42 and 43, it's just basically saying this, that they got together and they worshiped together. They steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There has to be a time of worship in a church to where we come together in a church and we sit behind... We sit and listen to preachers and people that teach the Word of God. And through that, what happens is our lives are enriched. Our lives are empowered because we're listening to the Word of God. That's why it's very important that we come to church to worship. We're worshiping to God. We come to thank God for all that is going on. That's what they were doing. They were praising God. But in that time of worship that we're praising God, we're, we come, it's also a time to learn. It's also a time to sit under the apostles' teaching, the preachers' teaching, because God is using the pastors of a church, the pastors of the church, to help you grow. That's why it's very important, and we should try every single time we can, at all possible, to be able to come and sit and listen to the Word of God, and to sing praises to God, and to worship together to before the Almighty God. That's why we worship together. And Jude's trying to say we fight for that because the world's going to try to do everything they can do to try to keep us away from church. Because one of the purposes of the church is to worship. 
The second purpose is this, evangelism. It says in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. One of the calls and purposes of the church is because we're sanctified and because we are preserved by God and because we're called by God, we must go out and tell a lost and dying world about Jesus Christ. That is our calling. Evangelism. Worship together. We worship. We meet together to learn about God and our worshiping of God. And we get strength from worship of God and hearing the Word of God from the pastors of the church. And then evangelism. We go outside of this place and we go outside and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The next one is discipleship. Same thing. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now we'll get to that, but I'm basically discipleship is just teaching. It is very important that we as a church get together with other believers and we study the Word of God. You can call it a connection group. You can call it a Sunday school. You can call it a small group. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But it's very important that the church, and one of the purposes of the church, is to get together and study the Word of God together. And it's also very important that we as Christians should find somebody that we care about that's a younger Christian than we are, and we should try to disciple them and get them stronger to be able to go out into this world that they're living in. Because discipleship or teaching, basically, discipleship is part of the purpose of the church. The next one is this, ministry. Now, all who believe were together. This is in verse 44 and 45 of Acts 2. Now, all who believe were together and had all things in common and sold all their possessions and good and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, I'm not going to ask all of y'all to put all your stuff down here and we're dividing it. That's what I'm saying. But they were doing ministry. We just do ministry different today. But they were doing ministry. And we do ministry. Ministry is going out and helping the widows, helping the orphans. Ministry is going and caring about people. And that's what ministry is. That's one of the purposes of the church. You have worship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, and the last one is this, fellowship. And it's verse 46 of Acts 2. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I think we got the fellowship down. We like eating that food. But it's still a purpose of the church. If you're brothers and sisters in Christ, I mean, really, if somebody's your brother or your sister, unless the devil's gotten into a family, and I hope that never happens to a family, but if you're brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be happy. We should like to fellowship together. We should like to stay around and talk to each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how God wants us to be. That's a purpose of the church. Fellowship. So the purpose of the church are five. Worship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship. The church needs to do all five. And if some, one of those is missing, I think it affects the way the church is, a, is called to go out and reach into the world. But if one of them has too much of it, I think that's also a way that it hurts the church. But yet the purpose of the church is still the purpose of the church. 
the purpose of the church is to reach the lost and dying world. And as it says here, many, many people got saved. Now you say, did you just make that up? No, I didn't make it up. I read out of Acts 2. And that's right after the Holy Spirit came. And they were together as a church. And they had worship. And they had evangelism. They had discipleship. They had ministry. And they had fellowship. And they were sharing the gospel with people. And people were getting saved. Because they were doing it God's way. And so in our hearts tonight. As we start the book of Jude. I just want to tell you all here, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all together. We're all in this room. If we know Jesus, we're all going to be in heaven together. But there's a higher purpose that God has called us to. And Jude is telling us the world's going to try to destroy the work of the church, the purpose of the church. Because the devil doesn't like what's going on and what the church is supposed to be. And Jude is just saying to us, since you are sanctified and preserved and called, and since you already have a multiplied of love and peace and mercy, You put it in your heart. You contend for the faith. I'm going to live for God. No matter what they say outside these walls, I'm going to live for God. And you go out and they see your love and they see your peace and they see how kind you are and they say, why are you so different? And you say, because I know Jesus. Because I know Jesus. That's a lot. The only way I'm going to be able to do that, to be honest with you, is to get on my knees every morning Ask God to give me strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. Spend time in God's Word. And then I have, as I walk out the door, I don't have the countenance of Tom Gamble, but I have the countenance of Jesus Christ. Because I've spent time with the most holy Savior. And people will notice. So that's the beginning of Jude. James's brother. Jesus's half brother. Inspired by God. Everyone in this room, you're important to God. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart. Don't let the world tell you you're not. And don't let the devil tell you you're not.
because my Bible says you are. And Jude, inspired by God, without error, says you are too. There's not a better thing that somebody in this room could do tonight than to ask Jesus Christ in their heart if they're not saved. Become part of the family of God. So we can be called, sanctified, preserved by God. So we can make a difference in this society. Let's bow our heads. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to start Jude, to be able to study it. And Father, I ask now, Father, that you will help us as a church to, well, first of all, God, I just want to thank you in my heart that you have watched over me and guided me. And just challenged me with reading the Word. Father, give us the strength as a church to be a light in this community, make a difference in this world. It's just great to know, God, that when you forgave my sins, you wanted to use me for a great purpose. You called me to share your gospel. Father, I pray that if someone's here tonight doesn't know you, Father, that tonight will be the night that they get saved. We thank you, God. With your head still bowed, if you're here tonight and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, tonight would be a great night for you to just come to know the Lord because you just are feeling the Holy Spirit tug at your heart. And if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, you just say this prayer. Say, Dear God, Come into my heart and make me a Christian. Forgive my sins. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. If you said that prayer, the Bible says if you believed in your heart, you're saved tonight. In a minute, we're going to have an invitation. We'll have a time. Ministers will be up front here. You can come up and share that decision. Maybe you're here tonight, you just need prayer. We'll pray with you tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to join our church. You've been coming for a while and you want to join our church. We'd love to have you as part of the church. The invitation is really just made for a time for us to do, just have some time with God. Maybe you just need to be where you are and you just need to ask God, God, give me the strength to be what you want me to be. So, Father, we give this invitation to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.